Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. the good stuff. What? We're recording? Jesus. Why doesn't anyone tell me anything around here? Hey! <laughs> I didn't see you there. <laughs> Welcome to my happy holiday home. I've got a roaring fire right here and a handle of Jameson. Why don't you nab that eggnog and mosey on over? Are you comfortable? Good. Now children, I'm gonna tell you a story about our favorite Christmas saint, Old Saint Nick. But I'm not gonna tell you about the jolly old man scooching down chimneys. No, (laughs) none of that corporate garbage from Big Mr. Coca-Cola, man. I'm gonna tell you the true story of Santa Claus. On a related note, have you ever wondered why's his name Claus anyway? That's right, he's a werewolf. The first werewolf, known originally as the Satan of Claus, a Viking murder beast so hell-bent on drinking children's blood that early humans devised several desperate defenses against him. The pine-scented Christmas trees aggravated Santa's allergies. Eggnog was kept in jugs to throw on him like vials of holy water because, like the rest of us, Santa thinks eggnog is fucking gross. Mistletoe was hung above doorways because it drove Santa into such an erotic frenzy that he'd be too busy pounding himself to hunt the children. All these tactics bought parents time to hide their kids from the terrible hunger of clouds. But on one particular dark stormy warmer night, the moon goddess Minor took pity on the people. She came down to Santa Claus completely butt-ass naked and they made love for twelve nights in a shimmering gale. But as Santa finished up, he found himself in the body of a man. He begged Marty to reverse the curse of manhood, but she muttered thus, or translated from the original Sindarin, you will remain half-human, as long as there are happy children in need of gifts and not a children in need of death. So Santa Claus roamed the darkest nights of the year, giving gifts to good children, and eviscerating the naughty for the rest of time. Now you know the true story of Santa Claus. I hope you liked it, cause you're not going anywhere yet. Old man Sean and Uncle Nate are stopping by to tell you how to make your own werewolf just in case Santa gives you a genetic engineering kit for Christmas. But before we go, how about a classic carol recorded in the ancient runestones? I'm Jimmy Coconuts, and you've been watching the History Channel. Stay tuned for our next holiday special, Trump of Nazareth, the true history of Christ's more handsome brother. Thank you, and have a cocoa Christmas. Hey guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Uncle Nate. And I'm Old Man Sean, apparently. So guys, we really wanted to do a Christmas time topic, seeing as it's the holiday season. So, you know, Sean and I wanted to talk about something still linked to all the, you know, classic iconography of the holidays, full moons, dark and foreboding forests. Sure. And ever since uh, Lycans... We've had a lot of people asking about lycanthropy, mm-hmm. which is not related to lichens, <laughs> but sounds the same. Yeah. And so we figured this would be the perfect opportunity to talk about the classic Christmas subject of werewolves. Yes, yes. Name a more iconic duo than werewolves in Christmas. It's mm-hmm. basically it's like PB&J. Yeah, PB&J. And so, you know, this episode, we're going to be talking about what is a werewolf? 
supposed to be. Right. Right. And then we're going to go into a little bit of speculative science on how you would create a werewolf. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot of fun. If you're lucky in this holiday season, someone gets you a crisper's kit. How can you turn a friend or yourself into a werewolf? <laughs> I like how <laughs> ever since the CRISPR episode, you have said CRISPRs with an S on the end. Yeah. Every single time, even though it's an acronym with no S, <laughs> you keep saying, <laughs> I mean, it stands... how do we use these little CRISPRs? To... <laughs> <laughs> well, what does CRISPR stand for again? Oh, man. It's like cis-related uh, palindromic spacer something or other. Yeah. yeah. S is the nest of the end. <laughs> Spaces. <laughs> okay, well, anyway. So how can I crisper myself into a werewolf this holiday season? All this and more on Petri Dish. Joy to the world, Santa Claus has come. He'll eat all So first things first, whenever we're trying to genetically engineer some sort of monster, we have to have a vision in mind. Yeah. What constitutes a werewolf? I mean, I know Jacob, so I know that one thing is that you have to be able to imprint on children who someday will grow up and you marry them. But besides that, mm. I don't really know the powers of a... Uh, that's Jacob from Twilight. That's not something I do, by the way. Okay, I say good. That. That's, a, that's a Twilight reference. That's important to lay down that you're not talking about yourself right now. I'm not laying down kids. <laughs> <laughs> We're laying down an idea. All right. Whoa! Let's end, let's end the episode. <laughs> whoa, whoa! <laughs> we went dangerous so quickly. Okay, um, but so if we're going to genetically engineer a werewolf, we have to know what a werewolf is. Yeah, so I reached out into the internet world. I reached out into Twitter to find out what people thought of werewolves. Sure, and after learning way too much about Bill Gates, we, <laughs> you finally found some werewolf information. A significant percentage of the responses were Twilight-focused, which meant that werewolves are supposed to have abs. Yes. That's what I learned. Okay, cool. Um, but then I, I tried to look more into some lore, yeah. right, to try to figure this out. And werewolf lore is way all over the place. Right. It didn't get consolidated quite as much as vampire lore did. Right. Right? Although... In both cases, a lot of this consolidation happens in, like, the late 1800s, early 1900s, right? right? Victorian, late Victorian horniness. Yeah. Yeah. Werewolves typically involve physical transformation. Right. Of a human being into either a wolf or a wolf-human hybrid kind of thing. Right. Usually this happens under some set of conditions, sometimes at will and sometimes because of a curse. Where does this kind of mythos even originate? Yeah, so most of this stuff, especially with the werewolf side of things, is European kind of mythos. Right, okay. There are plenty of things from all over the world of people transforming into animals. Right. That's like, easy. But in Korea, it's usually nine-tailed foxes into BTS members. (laughs) Yeah, So it's similar to Jason, but it's not quite the same. Yeah, well, I mean, I think in Korea and K-pop in particular, it's animals turning into people. Right. And then becoming very famous. Yeah, that's true. Um... Like like J Hope. J Hope famously used to be a horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't know if we got any army out there. Do we got, do we, do we, do we. <laughs> I'll make sure some of my coworkers listen at this spot. We just lost them. That's a good um, BTS hit. Yeah. So, but in this case, a lot of what we're talking about is people putting on a wolf belt or wearing a wolf pelt and then getting kind of wolf characteristics or something like that okay okay so they're not really transforming into a wolf so much as they're just kind of a little funny (laughs) and are buff well i think maybe an early kind of inspiration for this sort of thing was hunter societies or something like that. right like you're a roman walking through tunberg forest and there's a guy in a wolf pelt you're like ah yeah, and right. then he stabs you right. and steals your fucking golden eagle or whatever, and you're fucked. Well, someone has to tell the story, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is the POV of, of the survivor. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so that's probably some of it. And then another part of it is probably wolf attacks. Right. Right, and kind of popular vein in a lot of werewolf early lore 
was that they would eat corpses. That right. they would dig up and eat corpses. Right, and that started to sound like just wolves. Yeah, yeah, especially if, I don't know, it was a lean winter or something like that, and they really were short on food supplies or something. So, you know, there's probably that kind of origin for a lot of this lore. The person would normally transform into either a bigger-than-normal wolf, but still just, like, a wolf. Right. Usually missing a tail. That was supposed to be, like, how you could tell that a wolf was a werewolf. Wow. Was, like, it doesn't have a tail. Sometimes they would run on three legs and right. stick one of their legs out behind them to look like a tail. Wow. So they could trick you. Man, life just keeps getting harder for tailless wolves, huh? <laughs> First you lose your tail, yeah. then humans try to kill you because you're a werewolf? Yeah, it's not very fair. Yeah. You know, so in that case, you're kind of like, sort of like a little bit bigger, kind of enhanced wolf, but you're still pretty much a wolf. Enhanced wolf. And then in some cases, you're like a person-wolf hybrid. You're standing on your hind legs. You got a snout and you're hairy and everything like that. Right, okay. It's like um, the hug wolf from Adventure Time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess werewolves often have like enhanced senses compared to humans, mm -hmm. right? They're supposed to have improved hearing. They're supposed to have improved sense of smell. They're supposed to be physically stronger, hairier than most people. Right. They um, kind of look a little haunched. They kind of have a funny little gangliness to them even though they're big sure i think it was in greek mythology if a person is a werewolf then even in their person form you should be able to look under their tongue and they'll be like hairy under their tongue okay like okay so like being a werewolf means that even in your human form you have some kind of like weird characteristics mm -hmm. but yeah in a lot of these cases the transformation is supposed to be a pretty quick thing right yeah. it's like we're talking about like a few minutes you go from like human to wolf style so all pretty easy so far to genetically engineer. <laughs> well, so some of them are a little bit difficult, but I think a, a good chunk of this stuff is actually doable. I think we can pull this off, Nathan. Okay, cool. Which one of us is going to be the werewolf in this? Because we don't have that many people to genetically engineer. I mean, I feel setup. like we're... Are we not just both doing it? <laughs> no. Okay, then you. <laughs> okay, but also the full moon, right? Is like you're supposed to transform during the full moon... Or you have a weakness to silver, that sort of thing. That's like yeah. kind of a Some of that feels like later lore. Right, that's right? Like, like all real Victorian crap. Yeah, yeah. The, the full moon sometimes gets associated with sort of like witchy shit in general. Right. And a lot of werewolf trials in Europe actually happened as sort of like little subsets of a big witch trial. Werewolf trials, huh? Yeah, that was a real thing. Fuck me. People were accused of being werewolves and were tried the same way that witches were tried. Damn. Usually as part of like a big omnibus exciting spiritual, you know, supernatural trial, you know? And, it does sound like pretty fun. And you do mostly witches, and every once in a while you get to toss a werewolf in there. That's you know, cool. For fun. You know, I was reading this paper uh, from JSTOR about, well, that's just a database, but I was reading this paper about French male witches in Normandy yeah. who do all sorts of kinky stuff. This is around like the 1400s. I was really trying to convince a friend of mine to write a script about it because at the same time I was just discovering this French porn star named Jean Valjean who is actually a chef. And then became this porn star, and he's like maybe one of the handsomest men I've ever seen, which is not common in porn. Usually, porn guys are a little grody, and this guy's just like a stunning goddess. Like you could tell that women, when they're in scenes with him, were like real happy about it because they're like, "Whoa, this guy's hot!" And uh, I'm glad this and, is happening. Well, 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 I just I was just like, he should play like a sexy French witch in like an Outlander style story I with see. like some magistrate's wife from England coming over, maybe during the Plantagenet phase. Sure, but he could also be a werewolf instead. You know, and the show ends with a trial of him, but, you know, he's Jean Valjean, so he's going to break free. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And I assume there'll be a good amount of nudity involved in the entire thing. Yeah, clothes are banned, dude. This is like a <laughs> Lars von Schreer production. <laughs> All right. right. Well, fantastic. <laughs> okay. So, why don't we actually get into this genetic engineering situation? All right, cool. And begin with some of the stuff I think is more doable. Okay, awesome. And then we can discuss some of the things I don't really think we're going to be able to pull off. Right. But, you know. A very we'll, short list. We'll, we'll do our best. Yeah. Okay, cool. So after a quick break, guys. Making your own werewolf. Hey, everybody. Give a warm welcome to the Trondheim Boys Choir and their rendition of Oh Scary Night. Oh Scary Night, the moon is brightly shining. It is Long lay the world in sin and error pining Till he appeared and the soul felt 
Okay, so we have our list now. We have things from Full Moon and Weakness to Silver, but then we just have like Enhanced Strength, Enhanced Vision, Harry. What's the doable stuff? How can we genetically engineer a person into a werewolf? Now, it's not in the notes, but now might be as good a time as we will find. To mention that like some of these changes are going to be genetic engineering stuff that we can't as a society quite do yet in adults. Right. But we're getting pretty close. Yeah. It's not going to be too far in the future that we're going to be able to do some of these kinds of things. Yeah. And then some of them are probably best left still to things like surgery and stuff like that. Okay. Some of those surgeries would involve biomaterials and things that, again, are not quite fully baked yet. But there's like a lot of literature on them and it's getting close. So all of this stuff is future technology, but not yeah. that far in the future. Okay. okay? Well, first of all... Werewolves are famous for incredible vision. Like in Twilight, Jacob can see a room full of babies and he just knows the one he's going to marry in 18 years. <laughs> so so how do I get that kind of vision? Yeah, yeah. that's a <laughs> Maybe he has infrared vision. He's seeing the heat come yeah, off yeah, of her. Yeah, 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a hot baby. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, so you know this is interesting because dogs and wolves do <laughs> not actually... This is interesting. Well, <laughs> just... Dogs and wolves don't actually have better eyesight than humans. So, like, really? it's weird that werewolves would. I just feel like animals always have better things than us, besides thumbs, right? So it's like, I automatically assume dogs have better vision. See, and they do not particularly. Right, they, they, they just have, smell like a motherfucker. They have somewhat better hearing sometimes. Yeah. And they definitely can detect odorants better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But vision is not one of those things that, like dogs are super nailing compared right. to us but like the myth of werewolves is that they're at night so like they got to be able to see a night well yes okay so one thing that would be cool and useful then to a werewolf is if they could see infrared light okay, okay? Very cool and that's because the light spectrum is electromagnetic waves and that can kind of go from having x-rays and uv light Right. To visible light all the colors that we see right and then on the other side of visible light a little bit less energetic that we cannot see is infrared light. Right, right, right. And basically everything that has heat gives off infrared light. Right. So that includes bodies. Right. Or an oven that's turned on or anything like that. Right. And the hotter it is, the more infrared light that it emits out. Okay, cool. No mammal that we know of sees infrared light. Okay. But there are some animals that do. Right. Some and daredevil. Snakes. I don't think he's anything. <laughs> he's I, just blind. I did not watch the show closely enough. <laughs> That's like a fundamental premise to, to him. I thought I saw red. Because <laughs> that's like, why he wears red? So he can see himself. Beautiful. So, so, so Electra wears red. Some snakes and fish seem to be able to detect infrared light. Okay. Uh, but this would be particularly cool in the nighttime because you don't have a lot of other higher energy light particles right, around. Right, but you can see that hot, hot heat. Yeah, exactly. So, one thing that's cool in this realm is that scientists have made some nanoparticles. Okay, very cool. And what these nanoparticles do is they basically get energized by infrared light. Right. And then they emit green light. Oh, that's cool. So they will glow green when infrared light is hitting them. Right, okay, so it's like a it's like a translator. It's like a babble fish of infrared. Yeah, and it's actually a pretty cool kind because usually, so there's lots of nanoparticles that can glow. Right. There's, there's a lot of molecules that can glow. Right. But usually what happens is they'll receive a higher energy light 
and then they'll translate that into a lower energy one. Whereas this is doing the opposite. This is doing the opposite. It's called an up-converting nanoparticle. Very cool. And so it actually requires multiple hits of infrared to produce one photon of green light. So it's not a perpetual motion machine. <laughs> no, it's not. Doesn't doesn't <laughs> doesn't take energy and magically make more of it. <laughs> Nothing in existence is a perpetual motion machine. Well, Casimir effect. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But <laughs> but some people say it on YouTube. So so these up-converting nanoparticles yeah. take several photons of energy from the infrared light, and then they'll emit a green one. Yeah. And these scientists made these nanoparticles and then coated them with some sticky stuff that helps them stick to photoreceptor cells. Mm. And then they injected them into mouse eyeballs. That's cool. And it worked. And it worked in that these mice could now detect infrared light. Was there any other problem, like a big hole in their eye or something? No. So why have we not already done that with people? Because that's pretty cool. I don't know if we have or not. Okay, so we have. Well, okay, so here, here's... Look, Sean, haven't you heard? <laughs> There's astronauts on Mars. Here's all I'm saying. You can do intraocular injections yeah. in people. That is the thing that happens every once in a while. It's, right. it's not preferred because it's freaky as shit. Right. Right, getting poked in your eyeball to inject you. Right. But I would find it mildly surprising... If, like, DARPA hasn't had discussions with this lab yet right, right, about right. figuring this out. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool as a soldier. Yeah, and so right. the idea would be that you would see green from heat sources. Yeah. And, you know, hypothetically, it, it would probably be fairly dim. So during normal light situations, you would probably not notice. Right. And that all of the normal colors that you'd be seeing would kind of overwhelm it. It would only be like the heat of true love. Yeah. would be really green. Just like in Twilight. Yeah. Okay. And so they had these nanoparticles, they injected them in, and it seemed to work. Very exciting. That's okay. Cool. I feel like, like, literally, we could do a sign-up with just, like, our listeners and be like, who wants to get injected? And, like, at least two dozen people are going to sign <laughs> up. Like, people would do that. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly... More people that are willing to have a vaccine in America would probably get UV crazy nanoparticles injected in their I, eyeball. I wish that there was an easier way to get them into the eyeball. But right? stabbing the, an eyeball is half the fun. The needle pokey part yeah. is really the only part that gives me pause. Because otherwise, it sounds pretty awesome to me. Yeah. I think it'd be a lot of fun to right. get to see infrared shit. Yeah. But you got to... Stick it in your eye first. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. So, you know, well, we'll see. We'll see how they work that out. Right. Uh, I'm saying you actually can already detect UV light, though. Okay, so <laughs> infrared light is on one side of the visible spectrum, right? right. So, like, it's like, we have visible light, and then right on the outside is infrared. Right, and on the other side is UV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On yeah. the other side is UV. There are a lot of animals that can detect UV light. Yeah, that's more useful. Well, it would just change how things look sometimes. Right. Like, like the, bees, right? Bees are like, oh my god, that flower. Yeah. Right, because of UV light. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. And oh, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck that flower. <laughs> buzz, buzz. Oh. That, that is what's happening. It's so purple. <laughs> you know, they love UV light, bees. And so none of the receptors in our eye yeah. really get excited by UV light. Yeah. Okay. Can you believe our aunt listens to this? I hope she doesn't. I'm still, I always think about that. Why, why would you be? Oh, it's time of fucking flowers. As a bee. <laughs> <laughs> Role playing. She's proud of what a good actor I am. Exactly. Okay, I, I, I am I too. cut you off though. <laughs> but, so, even though none of the receptors that are in our eye detect UV light, in our genome, there is actually a protein that's encoded called OPN5. That is a receptor that can detect UV light. That's cool. It's just not present in our retinas, as far as we can tell. Mm. I'm not actually sure where in our bodies it is expressed. In mice, they also do not express this in their eyes. Right. But they do express it in their ear skin. That's cool. Because you don't want your ears to get sunburned. That's like one of the worst places. Well, so. so it's interesting. So mice are mostly covered in fur. Right. Their ears are not. It might be part of kind of like a circadian rhythm sort of thing. Mm. UV light is a really good signal that the sun is up. Yeah. And so maybe that's kind of a way of helping to match their circadian rhythm to when the sun is up. Is that named after cicadas? Is it like cicadas come out certain <laughs> rhythms? And you're like, circadian rhythm. And we kind of fucked it up. We like mistranslated it in the Bible once. I'm pretty sure it's named after circles. Oh, 
Ah, uh, no. <laughs> Circles don't have a D in them, Sean. You oh, idiot. Fantastic. I'm glad we had this conversation. Okay, so so for eyesight, that would be my recommendation is, okay, let's get infrared vision through okay. these nanoparticles, and let's get some UV vision by having you express the OPN5 right. gene in your retinas. You know, and my scale of invasive mutations to humans goes from, like, going to the dentist to, like, Wolverine. And, like, mm-hmm. so far, that's not that bad. You get stabbed in the eye, but that's, like, not the worst thing. Santa yeah. Claus's gift is still pretty good. Yeah, and, and one stab in the eye could deliver both things, right? Oh. You could, in one stab, inject the nanoparticles right. and also inject something that could insert that gene or insert an expression for that gene in the eye cells. Right. Yeah. Or you could just do some ayahuasca. And then you've seen all that stuff anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure which is better. <laughs> okay, so, but there's smell, right? Like, wolves, I mean, this is actually true of wolves, whereas the eyesight one's bullshit. But, like, wolves really smell fucking good. In fact, most things smell better than humans. I need to smell good shit if I'm going to be a werewolf. Do wolves smell good or do they smell well? Wolves actually kind of do have a nice musk about that. Okay, good. Yeah. You've been running around with some wolves Sniffing uh, them? I get them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so humans have about 400 olfactory receptor genes. Those are the receptors that would bind to random shit that floats into your nose. Okay. And helps you detect that as a certain kind of smell. So humans have some receptors, but like wolves, man. Fucking billions. So overall, mammals kind of put all together have more than a thousand of these olfactory receptor genes to kind of pick from why do we have so much less yeah probably because of our eyesight being pretty solid right okay and so and taste i don't i have billions of taste sensors (laughs) all over my fingers oh yeah (laughs) yeah it's a rare mutation (laughs) yikes (laughs) it's called licky finger (laughs) (laughs) so typically the way that this works is you have an olfactory neuron, and it just picks one of those receptors to be expressing. Okay. So it's kind of like one receptor, one neuron kind of Mm. thing. So basically, if we wanted to introduce a bunch more of these genes, we would probably need to make new neurons for them. Well, that's not so hard. Well, it's just slightly more complicated than if we were just delivering a bunch of these different genes into those cells to okay. express combos of them. Right? Also have to make the neurons. Yeah, yeah. And so for that, we need to go into the olfactory epithelium. We're going to have to have some kind of neural uh, stem cell work going on right, to be cool. able to generate new neurons and have them pick the specific new olfactory receptor genes. Maybe we can do that kind of in a dish first. Right. Have some neural stem cells make them express these receptors and then have people snort them and hopefully they kind of dig in there or something like that. You know, I think if you could, like, meet David Chang or Roy Choi and if you got into a room with them, you could sell this to Elon Musk 100%. Who are the people you just said? Uh, yeah, they're, like, famous Korean-American celebrity chefs. Oh, okay. Uh, like, Gulky Truck was one of those two guys. Oh, I Mom- see. Momofuku was the other one. I can't, I can't remember which did which. But, like, you, one of those hipster dudes, you get in a room with Elon Musk. This, every single bit of this whiffs of success to me. <laughs> is It's like you get to smell double, which does impact how much you appreciate food. Sure. You even snort it, which is, like, already Elon Musk's favorite delivery mechanism. Of course. So, like... I just feel like this has Silicon Valley riches just branded all over it. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we should give this a shot. Yeah. So, hypothetically... It's called I smell. I'll, I'll think of a different name. What I'm not sure about yeah. is if you have those neurons expressing multiple different olfactory receptors... Yes. ...how badly that would mess things up. Okay. Because okay? hypothetically what that would mean is your receptor would... The neuron would fire if it gets molecule A... But it would also fire if it gets molecule B, which in one sense you'd be like, okay, then maybe you would smell the same smell, even if it was two different molecules or something. But that's not like totally how smell works. Mm -hmm. If you have like one smell molecule type or whatever, it will bind to a bunch of different receptors. Right. But different parts of it will bind. Okay. And then it's kind of that combo that makes a certain smell. So like, I guess what I mean is if we do a musical metaphor... Smells are chords, right? Multiple notes played at the same time. Yeah. Smells are never just a single note getting played. Right. So maybe having them be kind of multiple receptors per neuron, maybe that wouldn't actually mess up learning all of these new smells that you'd be getting. Okay. So maybe we could just go for it. You know what I mean? I mean, if we're experimenting anyway, whatever. I'll just... 
we'll just make some viruses that have these olfactory receptor genes right. and have you snort them up and see if you start smelling new stuff. Why not? Yeah, it could, okay, it could work. Cool. So we have a theory for smell. We're pretty confident about the eyeball. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so hearing. That's like the other one of the three senses. And uh, Wolrof's got a real good too, right? Yeah, yeah. We should be able to hear stuff better. There's a little bit of a question of, are we more sensitive at hearing the same frequencies that we were before? Or are we hearing different frequencies? Okay, it's, it's just like uh, dog whistles. We can't hear dog whistles, right. right, at all. Well, then we got it. I mean, we need to be able to hear that. Right. And so for that, we're talking about like, okay, being able to hear these higher frequencies. And so for that, we need to get in there. We need to be engineering some of the little hairs that exist inside of your ear. Right? Okay. And then the muscles and motor proteins that are hooked up to those hairs. I mean, do we need to genetically engineer, like, some new proteins or something? Like, does the ear cells need to just, like, make new shit to hear those frequencies? Or is it actually just structural? So, there might be some structural changes. There's a good amount of diversity in the structure of ears in right. mammals. Right, And so, there are some structural changes that might help. But, there are also some genetic changes, maybe relatively small ones, okay. that could help a lot. And so some scientists have looked at this protein called Preston. Okay. And Preston is a motor protein that's responsible for kind of boosting the vibrations in your ear yeah. in response to sounds. And we have this protein, all mammals have this protein, but some mammals, like bats and echolocating like whales and dolphins, right. have a few mutations in this protein that seem to make it so that it like really boosts up the high frequency sounds so, so you can hear them a lot better. What you're telling me is that not only is it like really easy to make it so we can hear like a werewolf, we could take that extra fucking step, get into the vampire territory a little bit and echolocate. Yeah, so I, I guess what I'm saying is we can genetic engineer like, some bat whale shit into wow. our ears to, yeah. to get us that little boost. I don't want to derail us for too long, but I do want you to tell me how I can become a whale. Because... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, whales are much like squids, and that clearly whales and squids both had advanced civilizations mm. and then like collapsed in warfare, and have since taken the Swedish round, just chilled in the ocean mm. and been like relaxing. Sure, yeah. But we'll we'll figure that out later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're uh, talking about werewolves here. So some future episode on how to turn Nathan into a whale. Yeah, I got yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Uh, boy, just eat like how I'm already eaten. Am I right? <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm already on the path. <laughs> okay. So those were three big senses that we're going to revamp, and then let's take a break and go into how we can make ourselves hairier. And right. Shit. Today's episode is brought to you by the Gallery. Based out of New York, the gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are all unable to travel due to this pandemic-type situation, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, the gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. That's the number 15OFF. Go to thegallery.com, that's the G-A-L-R-Y.com, so that your wall will never be boring again. Hey, so there's a few more engineered mutations or qualities that are on the doable list. We need to make ourselves hairier, we need to change our body structure, we need to be able to heal, and we need to be stronger. All this stuff would be a little silly if we weren't stronger, right? We just look like idiots. Yeah. But um, hairy is interesting. You told me that one of the earlier werewolf myths was about Greeks. Greeks had werewolf myths, yeah. Yeah, you know, because I've seen Greek backs, and those guys are already halfway there, <laughs> right? So, sure. so how do I get hairy? So, because I'm half Korean, right? So, like, I have some butt hair for some reason, <laughs> right? And then like pale patches on my thigh of sure, no hair, of course. But my upper half, I'm like a satyr or whatever, you know? Yeah, I got not a lot going on except my nips. Sure. So how do I get hairy? You're like the Laconian ideal. Yes. Right, the young Spartan boys. So lithe. They, yeah, I, I missed out on the lithe one. Didn't I? <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. If we could very easily make hair grow, 
Oh, right. Of course. That, people want that. Yeah. Yeah. And people are already looking into it, right? So we have some ideas on how you can do that. Right. Like, have you seen a photo of Elon Musk in 1999? <laughs> Guy's like a half-bold schmeagle. It's just right? not totally solved, right? Yeah. So maybe the most comprehensive way that you could solve this problem would be to shove some maybe slightly genetically engineered stem cells into hair follicles. But that would be a huge pain in the ass because you have so many hair follicles. Yeah. And how are you going to go into every single fucking one of them and get stem cells in there? That just sounds very annoying. Yeah, I mean, we want to make sure the barriers of entry are low on this. Because this is like literally a, a CRISPR kit that Santa gave you. Right. Yeah, right. not yeah. CRISPRs. There's going to be entire subreddits of people turning themselves into werewolves after yeah. this. So, yeah, so I mean, we can't genetically engineer your follicle. This is just a do-it-yourself kit. Right, and so besides getting stem cells into every single follicle, you could imagine having some kind of cream or something like that, right? You're kind of rubbing all over your skin in all yeah. the spots. Isn't okay. this the whole thing about if you masturbate a lot, you get hairy palms? <laughs> um, is if that all, if only it were that easy. <laughs> yeah, just like a bald man rubbing <laughs> in his forehead. Yeah, sure, or, or in the case of werewolves, all over your body. Yes. Okay. It's like how some myths of female vampires kind of came from those like Eastern European noble women who bathed in the blood of virgins or whatever. Sure. Uh, it's just like really feral dudes bathing in. <laughs> it's like it's like part of where the werewolf myth comes from. I would love it if we could get away from <laughs> as quickly as possible in this conversation. <laughs> no, come back to me, Sean. Don't run away. Oh, fuck. Okay. 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 Uh, well, okay. But the, the point is that skin is a pretty good barrier for all kinds of things, including yeah. semen. And so it, it it doesn't get through the skin very well to where it actually needs to go, which is the stem cell niche in the hair follicles. Right. So that is a major problem. And if you want to hear more about the skin as a barrier we did do skin episodes with dr matilde right yeah. and we also talked about stress and hair and that kind of also plays in here so you can check out all of those episodes very cool to learn more but if you did have a good way around it for example if you had like a micro needling treatment or something like that where you could have some kind of small molecule drug that could stimulate the stem cells. Okay. You could kind of put that on your skin and then maybe roll a microneedler and that'll make little tiny holes in your skin that the drug can get in. Okay. Stuff like that. That's not super crazy in the future. We can put that into like an Ellen DeGeneres style like seasonal box. Yeah. Right. We'll put in like some Petri clothes, mm -hmm. like some Petri dishes literally. Yes. A microneedle roller for hair follicle stimulation. Sure. That okay, sounds cool. good. Maybe like a little necklace that says hope. You know. <laughs> that, one, that one feels a little different from the rest of the stuff. But People need hope, Sean. Science is about hope. <laughs> so, you know, the, having drugs that can do this sort of thing is not out of the question. Rogaine is a small molecule drug that does something, presumably, to the stem cells. You would not believe for how long I thought Rogaine was Joe Rogan's brand. <laughs> um, Joe Rogaine. Like, till like last week. <laughs> i'm glad you stopped eventually but the main point here it's because all the before and afters the before looks like joe rogan half the time you know oh, like kind of like a chode attached to another don't, one don't make him come after us <laughs> probably, i don't want that to happen we'll get more listeners <laughs> so in any case having hair all over your body i think that's a doable thing it's just the delivery mechanism we have to work out how to get through the skin well. right and if you solved that problem, you'd probably make a lot of money having people have luscious hair on the top of their head. Right. I mean, that's kind of like, not even just werewolves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, so we've just done hair, body structure. We kind of want our bodies to look a little fucked up. Yeah, so, you know, this one is one where the mythos is like, maybe you turn into a wolf. Right. Know, I don't know if people really want to be just a wolf. Right. I imagine that if somebody wanted to be a werewolf, they'd still want to be mostly human. Right. Maybe they'd want like a snout or something like that. Right. So for these kinds of things, genetic engineering is probably not the best way to go about doing it. Right. Okay. There's maybe some stuff you could do in a zygote or an embryo if you were like going really mad scientisty on it. Right. But if you were an adult and you wanted to transform your body physically, yeah. surgery is a much easier option than genetic engineering. Yeah. It's just in the case of surgery, the part that becomes sort of futuristic is how do you get all of this extra bone right. in there? Because mm. bone is a living organ. 
it has a lot of structural components that aren't alive, but it has plenty of cells in there. It's got blood vessels. It's got nerves. Right. It's not as easy to grow as, let's say, a penis, which is just pure hard pectin. <laughs> it's it's not pectin, but I would say penises are probably still easier to grow than bone. Yeah. So, so how would you do it, right? And so there's actually a very, very large field of science also that is on developing biomaterial scaffolds to help with bone surgeries. What do you, why are you looking at me like that? You've grown a penis, haven't you? <laughs> You've grown a penis. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> you, you've had them. T- you've had tiny little scalpels that take off tiny little mice. <laughs> these little mice penises you've grown. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah. Moving on. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> Think about that all day. So uh, there's already a lot of people that are trying to develop kind of artificial bone scaffolds. Okay. Ah. I see the appeal of that. Yeah, well, there's yeah. a lot of surgeries people need to get Yeah, that, you know, it's either like broken bones or like hip replacements or things like that, yeah. right? Where it would be useful to be able to have some kind of material that you can put in place and structurally it would be kind of as strong as bone and then cells would grow in, you'd have the blood vessels grow in and it would kind of just like build into that scaffold. Mm. That's kind of, it's got some empty spaces for cells to fill in the gap. Okay, right? that's cool. Now... There is currently no material that really pulls that off fully. Right. There's some ceramic-based materials that people are doing, but they don't always encourage cells to grow in. Right. There's a lot of people that are taking the ceramic ones and then adding in growth factors and, like, like little candies or something to, like, lure the cells in and, like, have them grow and everything. It's growth factor proteins. I thought California passed laws that didn't... You're not allowed to say lure and candy in the same <laughs> sentence anymore. Not after what you did. <laughs> Wait, uh, <laughs> This is a callback to a few minutes ago when I was talking about growing penises? Sean, please. <laughs> okay. So, what you would do is you would get this material that doesn't quite exist yet. You would form it into a snout kind of, like, thing, and then you'd okay. have a surgery... Where you essentially engraft that onto the skull of this werewolf that you're building. Well, that's going to take about a century and a half if I remember the timeline right. Nah. Well, well, I mean, come on. We gotta, we gotta build a spaceship. We have to go <laughs> to the planet. We have to get unobtainium. And then the first time we try to get it, there's going to be all these blue people fighting us. And then we'll get the unobtainium finally once we just, you know, genocide them. And then we'll be able to make this bone scaffolding. Wow. So the bone scaffolding is something that we are continually making better and better versions of. I think the bigger question is, would anybody actually do this surgery? Like, a surgeon. Because that's, that's, that's the bigger oh, problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's always, like, Dubai and the greater Middle East. There's always, like, a couple doctors over there. Sure, sure. Yeah. It, it would probably start small. People would probably get, like, uh, little, like, fake bone things to make horns or something like that first. Or right. something. And then eventually we'd build up to making werewolf snouts. I feel like you just go to Party City, though. <laughs> just get like a little fez like paint over it ah. or you get like you get a green fez and then you just green screen it later like yeah, you, i feel like you could do this in post we're trying to turn you into like a pretty solid werewolf situation right right so, okay okay fair know, enough it's just body modding kind of stuff like that yeah is something you would need these bone scaffolds for okay they're in the near future they're on their way this is not good for genetic engineering correct okay yes. Um, How about strength? Yeah. Want to be as strong as a werewolf, which is the same as a chimpanzee. (laughs) So I don't know how strong werewolves are supposed to be compared to humans. Yeah. Right? But when I was thinking about it, I was like, all right, let's look at chimps. Because I've heard things about, like, chimps being super strong. And one number that I had heard in the past is, oh, chimps are, like, five times stronger than an adult human. Like an adult chimp, five times stronger. Now, when I then further looked into it, that five times number is bullshit. Right. More like 20 times. No. Yeah. No. Other direction. It's oh, like okay. 1.5 times. That's still pretty good. It is pretty good. Right. And that's in tests of pulling and jumping. So in those two measures, yeah. adult chimps are 1.5 times stronger than adult humans. Okay. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Still very impressive. Yeah. It's and kind of amazing we've like let them continue for so long, huh? <laughs> I mean, because Homo habilis didn't even have good thumbs, right? And we still we seem to kill them off, right? I, well, Neanderthal was just like lumbering idiots. We left the jungle. We basically let them keep being there. That's such a xenocentric view. Plenty of people stayed in the jungle. I think most Homo sapiens kind of went out. In fact, didn't Homo sapiens not even start in the jungle? I thought they started like in the rift or something. I guess the precursor to Homo sapiens. Yeah. So kind of 
the hominids uh, left the jungle as like a particular environmental niche. I see. So they're basically like the bitches. Like they lost the war against chimps and were like, ah, fuck, we got to go into the Sahel. Yeah. And we like gradually specialized for like walking and shit like that. Right. right, right we're right. like, all right, well, we're that's not going to do tree shit. We'll I've walk. seen chimp booty. They can't walk that long because that's a fat ass. Yeah, and actually the difference in muscle between humans and chimps may play a small role in our improved walking ability. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, what is the difference? Right, okay. So they looked into it because there's been a lot of potential reasons for why chimps are stronger than humans. Right. So basically the two main differences between chimps and humans that seems to matter is that their muscle fibers are longer. Okay, cool. And their muscle cells are a higher percentage of fast twitch muscle compared to slow twitch muscle. Right. And fast twitch muscle is better for kind of explosive speed or something like that. That makes sense. But slow twitch muscle is better for more efficient long-term usage. Right. And so walking, humans are much better at. Right, and like chimps pop out of a bush and like genocide the other tribe. Yes. Whereas humans like really run after the other tribe. <laughs> yeah, and then for genocide a long them. period of time. Yeah. <laughs> Take our time in doing it. And so if you wanted to kind of boost up sort of like really quick bursts of strength, right? You're a werewolf. You want to just like rip someone's head off. Right. You're going to want some more fast twitch muscle. Right. And that is something that we can genetically engineer in. That would not be too hard to do. Cool. Okay. Like we could take some satellite cells. Satellite cells are the cells that kind of most immediately repair muscle. Yeah. By dividing into more of the myoblastas. Dude, (laughs) I swear to fucking God, you read my fucking mind. (laughs) Yeah. So we can take these satellite cells and we can genetically engineer them so that they're predisposed to become fast twitch. Okay, cool. And then pop them in and uh, let them try to figure that out. So this one's pretty easy, actually. Yeah, so there's probably some work that people would want to do to kind of better establish... Those, we'd want to put in a little bit of scaffold stuff right. to help those cells know how to grow properly and to right. form into kind of longer muscle fibers. We don't want to actually turn an arm into like parasite or something. And it's like talking to you and ripping sure, off heads sure, in Japan. Sure, sure, well, sure. Okay, so you know how there's like biohackers, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes biohackers will do something like somehow get stem cells and then like inject them into their biceps and be like, I'm so strong. Do right? biohackers actually accomplish anything? Um, Like have they done a thing yet i'm not aware of a like diy biohacker right of having done anything successfully this is why this episode's so important <laughs> this is gonna change the game <laughs> but what they are wishing to do right is basically is, mostly this is like the not as good version of what we would be doing in order to make a werewolf okay is to try to get some stem cells in there not to give you cancer, which right. stem cells can do. So right. <laughs> like, let's not do that. Yeah. But to build out your muscle in fast twitch muscle. Yeah. Uh, so that you can, um, I don't know, jump really high or whatever werewolves are supposed to do. Anyone who gives themselves as a group a name that sounds like it's from an early Neil Stevenson novel, it's dumb. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not, that's not against Neil Stevenson. That's some cool books. But like... Boy, that's a lot of 1980s adolescent <laughs> bullshit. Am I right? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> they want it so bad, Nathan. They do. They want to hack their bodies so bad. This, this might be a good point, though, to mention that this episode is tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It skirts medical ethics. <laughs> yeah, we're right on the edge. <laughs> Don't do any of these things yeah. to yourself. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that said, let's move on to the final one I do think is doable, which is healing. Okay. okay. Wow. Yeah, because we got to be like Wolverine, right? We got to like real fast heal. Right. And so this is one that's kind of on the borderline, okay? Because when people talk about fast healing, I think they mean really fast. Right. Like they do the scene where you lift up the shirt and then it heals and then you look at the girl and the girl's like, ah. Yeah. 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 And that's like, that's like magic level healing, right? There's elements of that kind of healing that I think is possible outside of biology. Yeah. Dr. Schultz. (laughs) Yeah, from Costco. <laughs> like, 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 there are things that are being developed, kind of like polymer foams that, like, hypothetically, you oh, can kind right. of spray into a wound and it'll help keep things kind of closed but and everything. Werewolves, man, they're metal. They don't use polymer Right, and so if you, if you want things to be, like, all bio, then you need to understand that cells do not divide that quickly. Mm. And it's not going to be minutes and you're going to see a huge wound just, like, close up. and be That's cool. very disappointing. I feel like it was underground, that movie... 
where like you zoom way in super close up on a cell and the cell's like bloop, 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 makes bloop, 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 sounds and then they divide really quickly <laughs> and you zoom back out and it's like fucking a werewolf wow <laughs> is that underworld i, I feel like there's a movie where they don't do that remember yeah it's probably some wachowski siblings thing i sort of vaguely remember there being a vampire movie where you can like see the cells getting infected ah uh, yeah i think we're talking about the same thing but that could also be underworld or whatever right yeah, yeah no i think <laughs> I, if i remember that was blackula oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank god yeah yeah quentin tarantino's blackula so there might be ways though to kind of speed up some healing mm. or make healing safer okay yeah. And so one example is, you know, maybe if there were a few more stem cell niches, it wouldn't be that each cell divides faster. You just have more cells dividing. Right. So maybe that could help fill in some of that new growth that you need to be able to clean up a wound sooner. But you could also, you know, if we're talking a little bit further in the future, you could try to genetically engineer cells to produce antibiotics, mm. kind of a wider range of antibiotics at wound sites. Yeah. Like when immune cells come in, they could produce more antibiotics and kind of prevent infection. Well, I better. see an idea in the notes, which is real werewolf. So I like this one the best is you could maybe get your spit to do that. Yeah. So, spit on your wound. So there's some evidence that spit in different animals and stuff like that have some antimicrobial products in there. Right, right, right. And hey, if we're genetically engineering shit, let's just make the spit that we produce, produce yeah. all kinds of different antibiotic stuff. Yeah, maybe you could genetically engineer rabies so it creates a polymer foam. That, That's like, your mouth, your mouth foams up with oh. polymer foam. You, go, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you get your arm and it heals it. You're going to spit the foam onto your wound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. cool. But okay, so an antibiotic spit. Yeah. You know, my spit's the opposite. I'm like a Komodo dragon. Sure. If I bite you, you walk 20 paces, you're dead venomous spit yeah that's how much like gonorrhea is in my spit <laughs> oh no <laughs> right just like oh. clap <laughs> oh it went so wrong so quickly it was never right it was okay <laughs> okay so we should take a break right we should take a break <laughs> i hope we take a break and then we're gonna finish out with a couple of the things that i don't think are really meaningfully doable sweet the following is an actual advertisement Hi, I'm Alana, and I'm a fourth-year PhD student. I'm more than likely re-editing that manuscript for the 22nd time, or maybe I'm in my fourth Zoom meeting today. Who can tell? But mostly, I'm probably working on my podcast. It's called Dear Grad Student, and it's a podcast for grad students to celebrate, commiserate, and support one another through grad school. Each week, I interview other grad students and academics about their experience from imposter syndrome, psychom, dealing with mentors, racism in academia, or, you know, all the other joys that come along with grad school. Not a grad student? Maybe you're thinking about grad school. Maybe you just finished and you really want to reminisce about the painfully glorious days. Either way, I think you should come check it out. You can find the podcast at deargradstudent.buzzsprout.com, twitter.com slash deargradstudent, or on your favorite podcast app. New episodes are posted every Monday. And until next time, warmest regards, best wishes, sincerely, Alana. Okay, so we've discussed a lot of things that are at least on some level maybe possible. Uh, yeah. All the way from hair to strength to, to hearing and yeah. sight and stuff like that. But there's a few things that are part of werewolf lore that we just we're not going to probably get through genetic engineering and probably really any other way. Yeah, well, so first of all... <laughs> At least one of these, I'm not sure why you'd want to do anyway. Right. Uh, in that it's a weakness of werewolves. Right. Silver. Right. right. So if you're making a werewolf, I don't know why you would make it weak to something. I guess it's like it... a Simpsons scenario where like you created werewolves to like get rid of something, but you need like a way to get rid of them. <laughs> sure. So sure. you're like, if, if we didn't, <laughs> if we couldn't kill them with silver bullets, it'd run rampant. Sure. You know? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, you make it so that they're weak to silver. And then you genetically engineer bullfrogs that they spit silver. Yeah, And then yeah, release yeah. the bullfrogs. Yeah. Um, but they're too strong now. Anyway, so silver bullets. I don't think you need to do any bioengineering to make things weak to bullets. Yeah. We already are. <laughs> yeah. I think bullets can handle humans pretty well already. Yeah. Bullet beats human in the rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> right. Now, uh, that said, I think plating a bullet with silver does not really add any extra toxicity right. or anything. Metallic okay. silver is, out of heavy metals, relatively inert. Yeah, so it's I make not... teeth out of it. Sure, yeah, some fillings and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Lead, arsenic, 
cadmium. Those are heavy metals that have kind of a bigger impact in your body. Right. You know, I was going to say, if I ever write a werewolf story, I'm going to have it arsenic bullets kill werewolves. <laughs> but then I guess I run into the, a similar problem, which is arsenic bullets would also kill people. Well, why not lead bullets? Because that's what bullets are made out of. Oh, really? Yeah, aren't they? So bullets normally would kill a werewolf. <laughs> It's all silver things falling <laughs> we, we apart. Keep, we keep coming back to that, that bullets would normally kill things. But hey, look, what if it's not bullets, right? What if you want to be able to like cut someone mm. with a knife mm. with silver on it? Okay. So I'm not sure that metallic silver is a good way to go. There are other forms of silver, soluble silver, silver nanoparticles. Yes. That might have more toxicity potential. So, like, hypothetically, maybe you could coat the blade of your knife or something okay. with some silver nanoparticles or something like that. I like that. Now, silver nanoparticles are not particularly toxic on their own. Right. But I did read a paper that said that if you mix silver nanoparticles with something called LPS. Okay. LPS is lipopolysaccharide. It is something that makes up bacterial cell walls. Okay. And so, because it makes up bacteria, mm. your body is, like, super ready Anytime it sees LPS, it gets really worried that there's an infection going on. Okay. So you get an immune response going. Okay. So if you shove a bunch of this LPS in with silver nanoparticles, your body might learn the lesson that silver nanoparticles are dangerous. Okay. And then mount immune responses to silver nanoparticles anytime they see them in the future. Right. It's almost like getting vaccinated for silver nanoparticles. But it's it would be a lesson that you'd learn, and then if you got cut with silver nanoparticles in the future, mm. maybe your body would flip out and go into like a serious inflammatory response. Maybe you would have like septic shock almost. Right. So that could be one way that you could maybe generate almost like an allergic response to silver nanoparticles. Okay, okay. So, you know, if you really wanted to get your wealth to do that, then I guess you could do something like that. Sure. It still begs the question of why you just shoot it, though, I suppose. Yes. Right. Bullets. Yeah. Still probably the best. Yeah, I mean, in most werewolf lore, can't you just... They're not like vampires, right? Can't they just die? Yes. Yeah, so... I guess the whole silver thing was kind of just a silly Victorian thing in the first place. That doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, so I guess I don't totally... I know that silver is in a lot of lore because it was used a lot for poison testing. Oh. Because silver tarnishes with certain kinds of organic compounds. And some of those organic compounds were like classic poisons from antiquity. Mm, that's cool. And so like... Like fluoride. I think like arsenic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think arsenic... I don't know about cyanide. But those things would bind to silver and silver changes its color. It can like darken or tarnish. or yeah. so, so like a lot of plates and spoons and shit were made out of silver so that mm -hmm. you could detect poisons. Cool. And so I don't know if, like, that part of silver is the reason why it's sometimes related to, like, supernatural defending against evil or something yeah. like that. But whatever. I don't think it's that useful. So I would say don't bother with that part if you're making your own werewolf at home. Okay. And then the other one. Yeah. This one, I really... I'm pretty sure there's no biology way to do this. Okay. Is rapid transformation. This is kind of a big one. Is like... Yeah. Werewolf's got to switch. Right. People, generally speaking, when they think about werewolves, they're talking about changing back and forth. And the back and forth part, I don't think you're going to be able to do that very quickly. Like, maybe once a year. Right. <laughs> but it'd be a huge pain in the ass, especially if you do a lot of the body modifications we were talking about, like getting a snout or something. Right. Transforming back and forth would mean going through surgery. This is where CGI is probably the better way to do this. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Or just like the cheap version would be just go to Michael's and get some glue and just glue some fur on you. Well, I mean, at least with the hairy part, you can, like, shave. That's that transformation's true. not too long. That's true. That's true. But uh, I, I guess... It's a pretty funny cutscene, huh? <laughs> 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 cut to him just shaving it. Yeah. The rapid part is just biology doesn't actually work... Rapidly. ...that fast. Right. Not that fast. Because we're talking, like, really minutes yeah. to, like, change entire tissues and organs and stuff like that. Right. That's just too quick. And so, realistically, I think in this case, if you're going to make a werewolf at home... Make one that doesn't transform, right? The only transformation is when you turned it from a person into the werewolf. And then right. that's it, right? So, you know, that, that's not quite as much fun. But uh, yeah. I would say that that's the best this you can do. This is the big letdown. Yeah, yeah. There's maybe ways, you know, so the full moon thing, right? Yeah. There are cycles in biology that can be matched up to, like, the full moon. Right. But again, not that radical, not that fast. Like, in werewolf, 
You see a full moon, right? You're a fucking werewolf, right? Right. Like you could probably engineer things so that around the time of a full moon, once a month, that's when the werewolf is like the strongest, right? You know, like right. their hormones are really going. Well, that's they got all cool. this extra pump going. So you could you could engineer that, right? But the sort of like ah, oh, that's when all of a sudden all the hair shoots out and they grow a snout or something, right? That's just not bio. You could engineer it so that they get more hair towards the full moon, though, right? Like a month-long hair cycle? Sure, yeah. So that's that's not out of the question. You can have okay. it hooked up. Well, that's pretty cool, then. So that the stem cell niche in the hair follicle could be more responsive to some of those systemic hormones. Right. And hormones you can definitely set up to that kind of cycle. Okay. So I think that that's possible. Okay. Well, that was our list of how to make a werewolf. I think... A lot of the more functional parts of it yeah. are doable. Right. A lot of the kind of aesthetic parts and the, the speed of it yeah, not so doable. Right. So I hope people aren't too disappointed. I hope that this was a yeah. good winter solstice gift. Yeah, you know, it's been a pretty hard year for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been very tumultuous and a lot of self-inflicted injuries. The nation upon itself. I understand. The, the body politic. Sure. And I think we've already, as a body politic, mutated into something grotesque. And I think this is just like the natural conclusion of that is to deform your own body into something (laughs) monstrous, reminiscent of a past glory that never existed in horror fiction. Well, I can't say that that's a beautiful thought. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nor particularly cogent. (laughs) But but it is a thought. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's better than usual. Yeah, well, I hope that for some of the people out there that like to think about sort of goofier stuff, this episode has been fun. You know, it's it's actually, I think it's an amusing thing to look at, like, what the weirder applications of sort of the cutting edge science would be just just as like a thought experiment. For people who have listened because they're interested in biohacking, check the episode notes. There's a hotline for help. (laughs) Oh, God. And uh, get some help. uh, Biohackers, I feel like there's an element of their heart that's in the right place. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like Cyberpunk 2077. In the right place, unplayable for most people. Just a little half-baked. Yeah, a little half-baked. Keep that one in the oven for a little bit longer. (laughs) Keanu Reeves is also the hero of both things. (laughs) Biohackers and Cyberpunk. That's true. Yeah. All right, so let's say thank you to Stacey Song, our sound lord and engineer. Thank you to Brian, to Griffin, to our family writ large, who have sustained us. Yeah, yeah. Thank you to Jimmy Coconuts for giving us that wonderful intro to this episode. And everyone, you can reach out to us at Dish Podcast on Twitter, PetriDishPod at gmail.com. You can sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash PetriDish. Woo! And I hope you have a nice wintertimey, solstice, festivist type situation. All of the associated holidays and everything. And uh, stay safe out there. See you next year. <laughs>